1: I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now crazy shipping, uh, free shipping and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit, and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios. Uh, one of the things I love about Lear Capital is that they are an American-owned company proud to do business with Americans that share conservative values. Write this number down, 800-489-6450. Call them today, or if you don't want to call, you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes. Check them out. You will do yourself a great service by at least investigating Lear and what they have to offer. Hello and welcome to The Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoliker. And again, very glad to have you joining today. Uh, So many things going on in our world. I feel like I start off every episode just about that way. There's so much happening. Uh, Why do I say that? Because there is so much happening. And if you are a person of faith, if you are a Christian, then you would probably either be not very aware of what's happening in the world, or you would be lying (laughs) if you said that you don't end the day with a little anxiety in your heart. Uh, So many changes happening in our culture, and we know if we look back historically that change has always been a part of culture Uh, from the very beginning. Up until today, things change, they evolve, that's how it all works, we know that and we understand that. But really, we're living at a a point in time, culturally, where there is a very overt attack on what we as people of faith, what we as Christians, say and do and believe. In fact, we live in the United States, for those who are listening here, if you're listening elsewhere Uh, Well, let me tell you, the United States used to be called a Christian nation. And many outside of the U.S. still would look at us as a Christian nation. What we meant by that, or what was meant by that when it was said, is that the United States was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. That our foundation was one that acknowledged the existence of God. Not only that He exists, but that He is the creator of everything More importantly, when we were founded, we were founded with this ideal, this understanding that freedom, human freedom, is a right given by God. Now that is significant if you know how our country came to be. We certainly started as a group of colonies from Great Britain. We were under the control, the oversight, the direction of the crown, But believing that freedom came from God, the decision was made to separate from the controlling hand of another country, of another nation. And so the foundation of the United States is that foundation of belief in God and in Judeo-Christian principles. Now, throughout the history of the United States, as short as it may be relative to the histories of other nations in the world... Not everyone who has been in a position of leadership, a political position, not everyone who has spoken on the behalf of the United States would claim to be a Christian. Not everyone believes the same. Not everyone would spend their time, for instance, in church on Sunday or teaching their children what the Bible has to say for how they should live. Not everyone agrees on these basic Christian principles or values. And yet all of us as a society culturally would accept that that's where we've come from, that's how we operate, and that's how we think as Americans. We think from a Judeo-Christian principle or ethic. I say all of that to say (laughs) we have come to a place in the United States, American culture, where we no longer accept that premise, We could look back over the last 60 or 70 years, and there have been cultural revolutions. There have been cultural movements that have pushed back against this Judeo-Christian ethic that we operate from as Americans. But there has never been a time like this one, where the pushing back on Christian principles, pushing back on faith, was the mainstream. That was always outside of the mainstream. That's why for so many years we have continued to be called a Christian nation. And yet, right now, many honest people would have to look at how we operate, how we function as a nation. What we say is important and would have to conclude that we're no longer a Christian nation. We are a nation that was founded on Christian principles and Christian belief. And yet we've moved away from those beliefs, those principles, that foundation being what drives us. We're at a time in our country now where even being a Christian in the eyes of many disqualifies one from public service. We've moved beyond an understanding and a cultural conversation around this idea of separation of church and state. (laughs) This notion that there is a wall between faith and policy, faith and political practice and political discourse, where we value the fact that our nation cannot establish one religion for all people. We've moved beyond the idea that there should be some separation, And again, I'm not saying that everyone even agrees with that principally, but this conversation has been had since the founding of our country. We've had the conversation, but we've moved beyond just simply believing that they shouldn't become one to believing that if you hold a strong Judeo-Christian ethic, if you are a person of faith, if you're someone who values the Bible and believes in God as the creator, that you should not even have a voice in the public square. How have we gotten to this place? Now, there are many who would listen to this and say, Jeremy, you are overblowing this. You're being dramatic. This is not the case. I bring you to an article found in The Washington Stand, thewashingtonstand.com. You can find this. It's written by Ariel Del Turco um, last month, end of last month, November 30th. So not that long ago. The title of the article is, Yes, Amy Coney Barrett and Any of Us Can Be a Christian in the Public Square. Now, Amy Coney Barrett, for those of you that are not familiar, and if you're listening to this show, you're probably familiar. (laughs) But for those of you that are not familiar, she is a justice on the United States Supreme Court, the highest court of the land. She has a long history of being involved in legal decisions, but she is also a person of faith. In fact, she's a well-known person of faith. Faith pervades her life. She is outspoken about this and has been criticized in some places and held up as an example in others. Uh, Again, not everyone agrees. This article speaks to the fact that right now, a Christian Supreme Court justice is being asked to recuse herself of cases brought before the Supreme Court because it is believed that her faith and her understanding of God and the Bible will cloud her ability to make fair judgment. I want to read this article. This is an article that responds to another article that was found in The Guardian. I'll read what's said here and make some commentary along the way. Again, this can be found on WashingtonStand.com. In a provocative article published by The Guardian last week, Former members of a Christian community, People of Praise, to which Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett belongs, argued that Barrett should recuse herself from the upcoming 303 Creative versus Elanese case. We're gonna jump into this in a minute. But this starts off powerfully (laughs) and disturbingly. It is people in Judge Barrett's faith community that are calling for her to recuse herself from sitting in judgment of the case before the Supreme Court. This is another interesting place we've come to culturally. It was not that long ago that the Christian community continued to push forward in the public discourse and culture at large the rights of Christian people to not only speak, but to be heard, to have an opinion, and that that opinion should be taken seriously. Christian people believed not that long ago. This is pastors and church leaders, Christian leaders, faith leaders, faith community leaders, believed not that long ago that they should be leaders not just in the faith community, but in their communities at large. And yet now it is leaders in the faith community that are driving other believers out of the public square. This is a conversation that I've had with a lot of folks asking why it is that now Christians don't feel that their voice should be heard, that somehow our faith and our Christianity is something that should be kept private, (laughs) that shouldn't be discussed publicly that may be an issue for another day, but it is Justice Barrett's faith community that's arguing she should not have a voice. <laughs> I'll continue reading. 303 Creative is a religious freedom and free speech case that challenges a public accommodation law that could compel speech. In this case, affecting artist Lori Smith's ability to design wedding websites. So website designer, Lori Smith... The case will hear oral arguments on December 5th as a legal argument. The complaint against Barrett is unpersuasive. However, the broader cultural phenomenon it represents is extremely dangerous for Christians who desire to hold to core Christian teachings while working in the public square. The argument of those quoted in the Guardian is that Barrett's affiliation with the People of Praise, a Catholic group that unsurprisingly adheres to church teachings, and her former role on the board of Trinity Schools means she has participated in discriminatory policies against LGBT-identifying people. Critics argue that Trinity Schools are problematic because faculty guidelines from 2015 prohibited, quote, blatant sexual immorality, including, quote, homosexual acts. To the writers and editors at The Guardian, this might be a radical position, but for Christians such as Uh, Such an an instruction is a basic feature of a Christian worldview. In some ways, this is a wake-up call for Christians regarding just how far outside the mainstream foundational Christian beliefs about social ethics now are, though they were once widespread across the West. But accusations like the one against Barrett also represent an attempt by secular cultural elites to paint core Christian belief and practice as radical and sufficient to disqualify someone from public service dr albert mohler president of southern baptist theological seminary summarized the criticism of barrett this way uh, quote the argument here is your religious beliefs disqualify you because your religious beliefs are outside the appropriate pale of discourse in the united states of america end quote i'm going to pull from this uh, pull away from the article for just a second Uh, Did you hear what Al Moeller just said? (laughs) This is where we are right now. He said the argument is that your religious beliefs disqualify you because your religious beliefs are outside the appropriate uh, pale of discourse in the United States of America. The question I continue to ask guests that come on this show and I ask myself is how in the world did we get here? How did we get to the place where someone who holds mainstream Christian or faith perspectives or beliefs are now considered to be outside the appropriate pale of discourse in the United States of America? That a sitting justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, because they are people of faith, because they are a member of a faith community, should not be able to judge whether or not a private business owner must be compelled to do something against their own privately held religious beliefs. It's an unbelievable place we've come to. As a nation once considered a Christian nation founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic, Judeo-Christian principles, we've now come to the place where a person of faith is being pushed out of the public square. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts of the year happening now. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code SITREP or call 1-800-870-0283. You'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. I continue reading this article. A prejudice has taken root that seeks to punish Christians who attempt to live their lives according to the tenets of their faith. Earlier this year, Andrew Thornburn was pressured to resign as chief executive of the Essendon Bombers, an Australian football league club, less than 48 hours after accepting the job. The public outrage facing, uh, forcing his resignation arose over his role as chairman of City on a Hill Church in Melbourne. Activists publicized a handful of sermons delivered at the church which taught about God's design for marriage and sexuality and about the value of human life, including unborn lives. The attacks on Barrett and Thorburn both display a pattern of hostility to Christianity. This is a dangerous trend. A society that respects religious freedom will allow religious adherents to both express their faith and hold public office or high-profile business roles. These must not be made to be mutually exclusive. Uh, Again, as the article is written, the example of this uh, person, Andrew Thornburn, in Australia is given to illustrate that this is not just a United States issue. This is a national issue, or a global issue, rather, But the thing that's disturbing here is that we, the United States, were founded on these principles and the other countries around the world were not. That is the one thing that has always made us different. In many ways, that's what has allowed us to become so diverse, has given us the ability to become so prosperous. Our grounding in a belief that there is a creator who's outside of time and space that there's a God who's bigger than all of this, that we are not subject to a political system, but rather to a God who gave us the inherent, the innate freedom that comes from being part of his creation. I continue reading, The accusation against Barrett in the Guardian also undermines the credibility of the Supreme Court overall. The insinuation is that Barrett couldn't possibly judge the 303 Creative versus Eleni's case impartially because of her religious views about God's design for human sexuality. This is an unfair indictment against Barrett, not just as an individual, but as a person of faith sitting on the Supreme Court. Justice Barrett is a well-qualified individual and holds a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. The assault against her is baseless. And will ultimately prove to be fruitless. But Thorburn and others like him are not so lucky. Such attacks against Christian public servants and professionals reflect a growing animus to Christianity. Written guarantees of religious freedom protections are not enough if the culture itself does not support them. When we talk about navigating a culture that is constantly changing, this is why we talk about it. This is why we do our best on this show to bring on guests, to have conversations like this one, so that we can navigate the culture as it changes. Because it doesn't matter what's written in our Constitution. It doesn't matter what rights are protected by our Bill of Rights. If society at large, if culture at large does not protect these rights, Then even if they're written down in our most sacred of documents, it doesn't really matter. In this uh, article, there is a reference made to Al Mohler. Al Mohler has been a a clear thinker on so many of these issues. I want to take you to an article that he wrote uh, this week as well. He has a very long title for this. He calls it a direct assault upon Christianity and conservatives in the public square. Again, pulling this out, uh, getting a larger view. This is not just about Justice Amy Coney Barrett. (laughs) Uh, This is an assault upon Christianity and conservatives in the public square. Before I even get into this, I, I have to make this point. The reason these conversations are important and the reason we have to say no when these things happen at this level is because if we don't say this is ridiculous if we give in to what those outside of uh, the Christian community are pushing for, if a Justice Barrett recuses herself, then what will happen is what happened in Australia. What will happen is that every official, everyone who works inside of the government, everywhere, at every level, if there's any public indication that they are a person of faith, they will be pushed out. And we will end up with a completely secular, that is, apart from a belief in God the Creator, culture. And make no mistake, those who are pushing for this are not doing so because they believe Justice Barrett is not reasonable enough to make a fair decision. That's not what this is. It's because they desire to have to live in, to function within a completely secular, (laughs) that is absent of God, society, and culture. That's why the line has to be held here. That's why it's important to know what's happening, to demand that those who are in positions of authority don't allow our rights as Americans and the rights of those who serve to be infringed upon. I'm going to look at a few uh, parts of this article written by Al Mohler. You can find this on his website, albertmohler.com. A direct assault upon Christianity and conservatives in the public square. Justice Amy Coney Barrett called to recuse herself from case due to biblical views on sexuality. He begins by saying, There are some really strange but very important arguments that are now appearing in public conversation and on both sides of the Atlantic, but mostly having to do about the moral, sexual, gender revolution here in the United States and the inevitable conflict and confrontation with religious liberty. And it's coming in some very interesting ways. Uh, Let me pause there. We've got to pay attention. Pay attention. (laughs) This is happening. Uh, Recently did an episode of this podcast. You can find it if you have not already listened to it. On the Respect for Marriage Act, this was just passed through the Senate, protecting, at least on the surface, protecting the rights of same-sex couples to be married. This gives them the protections that are found uh, in marriage. It mandates that each state recognize these protections. These issues that are taking place are a direct assault on what we believe as Christians, we could talk about what that looks like and why that is. Again, we talked about that on that episode. Uh, but these conversations continue to happen and continue to come. Al Moeller goes on. Number one, an argument has now appeared in which it is asserted that Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett should recuse herself from cases related to LGBTQ issues in general, but in particular from a case that's going to be heard in oral arguments on December 5th. It's a case that has to do with the right of a Christian website designer not to be forced to use those creative skills to express a pro-LGBTQ conviction, which the web designer does not hold. That case, again, coming from the Supreme Court for, for oral argument on December 5th, and the upcoming nature of that case is why all of a sudden the controversy has now emerged. The argument first emerged in a major way in a liberal London newspaper known as The Guardian. Now, you may ask, why should anyone care that a liberal London newspaper has any opinion whatsoever or would run any report of any kind having to do with the question as to whether or not a justice of the United States Supreme Court should recuse herself from a case? The reason why is that we now live in a digital universe in which you have newspapers such as The Guardian in London that actually become a part of American political and cultural moral discourse. The same thing's true, by the way, on the other side of the Atlantic. It's not uncommon to hear citations from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal as you are in public conversation there in Britain in the, United St- in the United Kingdom. But nonetheless, The Guardian ran an article, and the article says that some former members of Amy Coney Barrett's secretive faith group, the People of Praise, are calling on the U.S. Supreme Court Justice to recuse herself from an upcoming case involving gay rights. And this is the article, again, saying Barrett's continued affiliation with the Christian group means she has participated in discriminatory policies against LGBTQ people. Now, let's just look at the argument, and then we're going to look at the fascinating background to it, and we're going to understand that there is a lot more here than may meet the eye or the ear. What are we talking about? Well, first of all, You'll notice the fact that this news article is supposedly brought about by the fact that former members of the same faith group have now come out saying, based upon what the group teaches and on what the group does, that is in ordering its life according to Catholic practice and the practice of the group known as the people of praise, then Justice Amy Coney Barrett should recuse herself because she cannot judge fairly or justly or impartially on a case that has to do with LGBTQ plus issues. Now, that's an interesting argument. It's an argument that if you belong to some kind of so-called faith group that holds a position that might be considered discriminatory against LGBTQ people, that if you do sit on the United States Supreme Court, you must recuse yourself because you are a part of a religious body that holds a view on the subject at hand. But there's actually more to this argument, as you might understand. For example, Stephanie Kirchinger, who is the reporter- On the story tells us that the critics of Amy Coney Barrett, the Supreme Court Justice, point to Barrett's former role on the board of Trinity Schools Incorporated, a private group of Christian schools that is affiliated with people of praise, and in effect, barred children of same sex parents from attending the school. You'll notice the very interesting words there, in effect. Now, what you're looking at here is the fact that the schools known as Trinity schools are basically reflecting on historic Christian understanding of sexuality, gender, marriage. And thus, what you have here is not just a complaint about one justice on the United States Supreme Court. It's not relevant to just one case coming before the court, and it is not just based upon one religious group. This is a broadside argument that if you affiliated with a religious group that has a strong conviction on LGBTQ issues, and that is not an entirely affirming conviction, then you're basically to be canceled, disqualified. You should not be a part of the public conversation, and you certainly should not be sitting on the Supreme Court of the United States ruling uh, ruling and deciding on such an issue." Uh, He writes so much more here, and we could go on through uh, many, many words in this great article. I encourage you to take a look at it. Um, But down near the bottom, he says, drawing this to a conclusion, we need to understand that the argument is easily understood as a direct assault on the ability of conservative Christians to participate in the public square and to adjudicate on public issues. The argument here is your religious beliefs disqualify you because your religious beliefs are outside the appropriate pale of discourse in the United States of America. We read that phrase earlier. Uh, He goes on, and here's where you see a lack of courage on the left, because the left, again, it doesn't have the courage to come out against the First Baptist Church. It doesn't have the courage to come out against the Roman Catholic Church. It doesn't have the courage to come out openly against, for example, the official doctrinal teaching of the Mormon Church. It doesn't do that in terms of a frontal attack. Instead, it tries to come at someone like Justice Amy Coney Barrett through a group known as People of Praise and say, Gotcha! We found your group discriminating on the basis of sexuality and on the basis of gay activities, gay behaviors, the LGBTQ array. And by the way, to be human is to make judgments. And judgments are a form of discrimination. We discriminate between this and something else. There are rightful and wrongful applications of discrimination, and there's no way being, uh, no human being who isn't discriminating one way or another uh, just about every waking moment. Ominously enough, I think the greatest fallout from all of this is making this kind of discourse more acceptable to the American public culture. And the application is not, most importantly, actually towards someone sitting on the Supreme Court of the United States the argument is more likely to be addressed to, say, those in professions, in medicine or in law, or those who would serve as school superintendent or the member of a school board, arguing, well, if you are going to stand with historic Christianity, you are clearly outside the pale when it comes to participation in this civic or civil context, or, for that matter, as an employee of this corporation. He ends with this phrase, if you don't think that threat is coming, you are simply not seeing clearly. Uh, I realize it's a lot of words, <laughs> um, but in these two articles, so clearly illustrated is the fact that an attack against a Supreme Court justice is not an attack against her specifically. It is an end run. It is an attack against anyone who holds a position of faith, who lives their life or runs their business or makes decisions according to what they believe, which, by the way, is what everyone does. Every person makes decisions, views the issues in front of them from the position of what they believe. (laughs) But this is specifically going after those who hold a Christian uh, perspective, the Judeo-Christian principle, foundation, or ethic, chooses to live their life that way, and says, based on that and that alone, you are not qualified to be involved in public conversation. We have got to be aware of what's happening. These questions, these issues are being raised more and more frequently, and they're being normalized, as as, as Dr. Mueller says in this article, uh, they're being normalized in our culture. We never would have had these conversations before. Now we're having them all the time, and it's okay to have these conversations. Though nothing will probably happen with Justice Barrett, the conversation has been had, and it will be had again and again and again, and it will continue to be had until it has an impact. And then, being a Christian will be something that can be done in private. And as long as no one knows that you are indeed a person of faith, you'll be able to function in the public square. But when someone determines that what you believe personally and privately is outside the pale of cultural, acceptable discourse, you will be disqualified. I don't know that we'll ever get back to a place as Americans where we hold up (laughs) as Christians, as people of faith, what we once did where Christianity, where belief in God, where faith is normal again, normal discourse across our country, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that place again. But if you care about your ability to worship freely, even if you're not a person of faith, to believe what you believe without recourse or repercussion, then you need to care about the conversations that are having right now and you need to stand up in whatever way that you can against those who say because of what you believe privately you get no opinion on public matters this is vitally important in many ways this has been coming for a long time and in other ways We're right at the beginning of these conversations, and if we will use our voice, use our influence, use our opportunity to live out our faith and to make it okay to live out one's faith, then we have a real shot (laughs) at rolling back much of what culture is trying to force on us. I uh, hope you'll take these issues seriously. I hope you'll stay informed and aware of what is happening. So much is happening in the world. I know it's hard to focus on everything at the same time. Nearly impossible but we need to do our very best to stay informed, to be aware, and to ask the question, what can I do? What information do I need? What perspectives do I need to navigate this ever changing culture in the right way? And if you'll do that, you will help yourself, you will help your family certainly, and you will help culture at large continue to move forward. Thank you for listening. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, please take some time to do that. You need to make sure that you are subscribed so that when new episodes come out, they are pushed directly to you. Then take some time, go over to our uh, YouTube channel. You can find that on YouTube. Of course, The Situation Report, you'll find us there. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. That lets you know when more content comes online and we want to make sure you have that. Uh, YouTube is great great place to share content from. So please uh, take some time to do that. That would be fantastic. I really appreciate you joining the conversation. These conversations, uh, man, they need to be had. And if you're not informed on these issues, we want to do our best to inform you. Make sure that you have the resources you need to make good decisions. Share these content out with other people. There are people who need to know about this, who would like to know about it, but won't unless you share this with them. So please do that. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with uh, in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service That some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaud, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more, the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served veterans or are serving active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God the Creator has something He intends for them, and that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulties, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope, and there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward, and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward, and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities, we'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book. They would watch a video. They would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support, and that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Program's website, mightyoaksprograms.org